Welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast, episode number 33, no, number 53, guys, we're on 53. My name is James Noka, and I'm with Kyle Versteg on the other end of the the computer here, and we are recording today on this beautiful fall October day. It is glorious here today. Yeah, it's really nice. My uh, yard has, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six uh, maple trees, and they are in full color today, and the leaves haven't quite started falling off yet. Yeah, we're really shedding nice. right now. We're, we're shedding right now. It is, I'm expecting um, by this weekend they'll drop. Yeah, our, our uh, I, I Instagrammed uh, a, uh, a picture this morning of my driveway, and it's it's beautiful. Problem that we're having, though, is it's been raining for the past month, easily a month, and we've probably had 15 inches of rain so far in October. Huh. I mean, our rivers are swollen like you can't imagine. You better send some of that back out to California. I tell you, we're we are. Um, I mean, it washed a dam out um, up toward Wilderness State Park, and uh, uh, these guys are lakeless now up there. Hmm. <laughs> no more. They have no more lake. Uh, and um, the, uh, I mean, it's just everything is wet. Everything is horribly wet and moist. My. My wood pile that I haven't moved inside yet, um, because it's been raining, is it's got mushrooms growing on it, fungus Jeez. growing on it. Jeez. I mean, that's how, that's how bad it's been. It's unbelievable. Yeah, our listeners in uh, California would love to have some of that if you want to send it their way. I know, I know, I know. We mowed the lawn over the weekend in between raindrops. <laughs> Jeez. But, yep. So, uh, my, my latest stormy, stormy story... If you hadn't seen, noticed that on uh, on on Facebook, he ate, ate another one of my hearing aids, mm. and so now I'm in the market for, uh, well, not in the market because I found a pair, but I actually found a pair of comparable hearing aids on eBay for three hundred bucks. Oh come on! I I should don't you not. don't waste your money, dude. They're going to be terrible. It's like those miracle ear things where you like dude. can hear deers farting like four miles away. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I have become a relatively phenomenal expert on hearing aids, and what what I what I found out is people that sell hearing aids are total scam artists. All of them. They're all audiologists. They all they all. Um, <laughs> and I don't want I don't want to I don't want that to come off in the wrong way. What what I'm what I'm meaning to say is. They want to sell you a six thousand dollar pair of hearing aids. They all, they all. You do your your hearing test. Everybody knows what your hearing loss is. I mean, when you look at your audiogram, you know pretty much. You know it hasn't yeah. changed in the last ten years, maybe a little bit, but not much. Um, your hearing aids, the technology, probably in the past five years hasn't changed, 
But the hearing aid companies have new models. They discontinued the models that I have. The the I won't, I won't mention the brand name, but it's a good. It's a it's a very well respected brand. It's not the top of the line. They were four grand for the pair of them when I bought them. Yeah. And I and I liked them. They corrected my hearing problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they they discontinued that model for the for the latest model, which is five grand. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> so so I went I went to the I went to a um, uh, another audiologist who sells another brand, which they were and, and and basically what I said was, I'm in the market for the hearing aid that I have because I like them. I I know mm-hmm. how they operate. They work for me. I don't need anything more than that. That's what I need. And they're like, well, you'll have a hard time finding those. <laughs> and nothing else, and nothing else will talk to it. Okay, so I'm like, oh, okay. So the ones that I have are called are called little tube ears. So okay. basically, the the speaker is in the hearing aid that's behind my ear, and then it sends the sound up this little baby tube, and it goes in my ear. And it's yeah. just all it does is it amplifies the area of my hearing that's lost or that's diminished. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So it's it's a real simple system, and and it works well. So, I was talking to the audiologist, and, and I asked her about this other style of hearing aid, which I was not accustomed to, which is a, the one where you put the speaker in your ear. The speaker is actually a little baby speaker, and you have, instead of having a hollow tube go over your ear, you have this little baby wire that goes over your ear. Right. And in, and in your ear goes this little tiny, teeny, little bitty speaker that goes yeah. inside your ear. So, this little baby speaker is... A little bit different than the hollow tube, obviously, but you have actually the sound is not distorted from going up and through the tube. That's mm-hmm. that's basically the difference. Okay, same technology, same electronics in it. It's just the speaker is in a different spot. So I tried a pair on six grand, six Gosh. grand. I was like, oh my god, six thousand dollars. Yeah, but it's only one hundred and fifty-one dollars a month. I was like, but it's six grand. Yeah. I said, if I can find another one of my hearing aids for $1,000, I'll be really happy. Yeah. I, don't, I don't need anything on it. So I, so I start searching. So, I, lo and behold, on eBay, there's a whole pile of hearing aids. All different brands, all different makes and models. Yeah, they're models just outdated, that are, and the audiologist is trying to unload them for cost, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're, and they're um, okay, so I find this pair, pair, mind you, of a really well-known brand that actually makes the... They are actually the maker of my brand. My brand is like a sub-brand. It's like a like GM and then Pontiac. Yeah, like, yeah, Pontiac. Okay, so 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 my hearing aids that the dog ate, one of them, was, a, was the Pontiac. And mm-hmm. the other company is like the Cadillac mm-hmm. in that same company. Um, so, so I got this pair of Cadillacs the same vintage as mine, but they have the, re- the, the speakers in the ear. Okay, so uh-huh. it's a little bit different, a little smaller. So I get them home, and I'm looking at them like, yeah, these are pretty good, you know. And I, I'm waiting for the audiologist to, um, um, to program them. But I'm playing with them anyways, okay. They're not quite, the, the, the hearing range is similar this, to my loss, okay. So they, right. they work for me, but not quite, they're not quite perfect. So I, so I have my old one in one ear, and I take one of the one of the new ones, I put it in the other ear, and I'll be a son of a bitch if they don't freaking talk to one another. 
They, have, <laughs> they, they, they like Wi-Fi together, and I can turn the volume up on one, and it turns the volume up on both of them. And it doesn't matter which one I use. I, I'm, like, I'm like, okay, so everything that these guys are telling us that they can't talk to each other, they won't be related, they won't work together, they won't this, they won't that, is all bullshit. So I'm standing up for hearing aid rights. I'm going to get me a ribbon. <laughs> That's <laughs> I'm going to get me a ribbon, some kind of color ribbon, and do the, the hearing aid revolt. Because I think we're all being sold a bill of goods. Well, my... Uh my daughter, uh, actually, right now is down at the audiologist getting her uh, cochlear implant checked and and all that. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's you know, and your kids and I are going to have a lot in common when when they come and visit. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have uh, a lot of fun looking at each, each other's little hearing devices. So, uh, um, I posted a question on Facebook: What do people want uh, addressed for topics? And Lon Humphrey, um, if you don't know who he is, people, check out uh, Lon Humphrey Knives, um, H-U-M-P-H-R-E-Y. He sends in a question, how do you stop dogs from chewing up stuff? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, that's, and then that's funny. Some other people sent in some other questions. We can get to those a little later. Yeah, bitter um, apple works. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so in uh, in um, other news, knife news specifically, uh, I saw an article in the Huffington Puffington Post. Uh, funny that they would be covering knives, but uh, there's uh, the company, you know, Wustoff from Germany. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they make real good knives. Um, they will not sell knives to Amazon. Because uh, Amazon was taking and, and selling their knives below map, and it was hurting their dealers, basically. Yep, yep. So. And, that's, and you know what? I get that. I understand that. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the things that, uh, that is talked about quite a bit with, with, um, with knife companies. If, I'm a free market guy, so it, it kind of makes it difficult for me to even say this kind of stuff. But a manufacturer tries to protect his dealers, his people that are selling his product. That is a wise manufacturer. Right. Because what happens is the profit margin for that person or for that business is a little bit higher because they can sell at a little higher price. Mm -hmm. um, they try not to sell to people that are um, selling five five knives a month on off their kitchen table at at cost because they're all they're concerned about is getting one they're not trying to make a living from it they're just trying to get one knife at cost rather than paying a retail price they would rather sell five knives at you know two dollars over cost just to get their personal knife at cost mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of that that goes around and it makes it difficult for somebody that's trying to make a living in the retail business selling this stuff um, it's it's a it's a tough it's a tough world out there and Amazon has has not helped anybody with that issue um, a lot of big companies that absolutely don't give a shit what what they what their product ends up as they don't care as long as it gets moved it doesn't matter right um, <clears throat> Some companies that are 
that that choose not to go to China to have their stuff made. They choose not to cheapen their items after two years of, of being in business so and then command the same price because now their reputation is that they they make something great. Now they don't. But, yeah. You know, it it hasn't gotten along there yet. You know, so I get it. I mean, I, I, I can understand why they would do that. I think a lot of knife companies probably choose not to sell their stuff on Amazon. Um, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not really in a position to even be able to make enough that <laughs> I can, like, keep any in stock to sell myself. I don't know why I would bother with Amazon, but... Um, right. Well, and it's, and it's interesting because, you know, Mike and I have had this conversation quite a bit. It's... it's um, his his model is he doesn't want he doesn't want his brand cheapened. Yeah. Lest asses same story. He doesn't want his brand cheapened. Mm-hmm. And if you sell to a a, um, a big distributor that doesn't care about who he sells to, mm-hmm. who he resells to, um, they run into problems. They they you end up seeing your product on the market. Pennies over cost. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that's 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 an unfortunate thing. What um, what else have you heard knife news wise? That was a pretty big one. Um, actually, it was kind of interesting. I saw a uh, uh, a knife that Blind Horse Knives did with Kevin Estella. Oh yeah, Kevin Estella is uh, <clears throat> he's a big bushcraft guy, and yep. he's in. Uh, He's in uh, People for the Ethical Treatment of Hatchets and Bushcrafting yep. and a bunch of our other... Yep, yep. And I think what, that uh, if you... Tell me about if, it. Well, if you, if you look at it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig up a, a, a picture of it. Um, mm-hmm. People for the Ethical Treatment of Hatchets. I don't remember where I saw it now. Um, he, he, the, the knife that they made for him is like... It's real cheap. It's like 130 bucks. Um which I was really surprised. It's not blind horse knives now. What, what is the battle horse is, uh, knives? No, no, the other one. Um, I can't remember the name of it. Ah, now I'm annoyed. I'm gonna have to look it up. And and uh, but it's a it's a um, actually it looks like uh, it looks like most of the knives that that copy the uh, what the hell was the guy's name from England <clears throat> uh, you mean Ray Mears yes the Ray Mears knife it's well, it's, they, it's just a drop it's a, yeah it's just a drop point like <clears throat> it's not that somebody's copying anybody else it's just that's a really fucking good design yeah you know, and it it works. <laughs> yeah, that's like the. Do you remember when you were here? You saw that outdoor survival knife, outdoor survival forum knife. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that knife is is like a is like a copy of that Ray Mears knife. I mean, it's but Ray Mears got it from from somebody else. I mean, it's not like Ray Mears initiated that design. And the other thing is, is that the. the the reason everybody's making that particular knife with those particular specs is those specs were laid out in an article by Morris Kahansky. 
Yes. Like, and you you have published this. You personally yes. have published this. Yep. Like yep. we went through the the entire history of that and and like the specs and I you even have a picture of the original knife that that was based on and it doesn't even that one doesn't meet the specs but you know like the Skookum Bush Tool and all these other knives they're fantastic knives and they work um, but they are they're designed based on those Moore's uh, Kahansky criteria mm -hmm. and the yep. same thing with the Ray Mears knife it's you know those guys kind of favor that style of knife both both him and Moore's and Cody and all these guys because it's a design that works yeah you know it's it's that traditional um, kind of northern European you know Finland Norway Sweden that that kind of pan culture the the Sami pan national culture or whatever knife from way back in the day and it just works yep. you know i i wouldn't say that anybody's copying ray mirrors if anything ray mirrors is 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 taking a page out of uh history yeah you know well and, and i don't want to and i don't want to knock kevin i like kevin a lot yeah um it's just that it, it's, it's to me it's kind of funny that that you would take that design and you would say this is this is um my design well, it's not. I, I don't even think he's claiming that. I think he, he's not saying, you know, that, that this is my design. I think he's more saying that this is like a good design for a knife, and this is what I use. You know what I mean? No, no. He I worked mean, with he worked with um, uh, with L. T. Wright mm -hmm. on about that knife with that knife to make to make that. Yeah. Knife. I, okay. Now I'm seeing it. That's just that's a, t a typical. That's there's nothing unique or new or different about that design. That's the the same design as. Uh, but he's not. Um, I I don't think he's claiming originality to that at all. At least I haven't seen him. That's that's okay. the Moore's Kahansky knife. A hundred percent, absolutely, positively. It's on Kevin Estella's um, uh, page. It's also on if people want to look it up. It's Estella Wilderness Education LLC. And E S T E L A Wilderness uh, LLC, and he's got his uh, collaboration knife down there. It's he's not he's not claiming that that's like some original, you know, design of his, and that like you know whatever. Um, I don't know. That's that's the the typical knife that meets the Morris Kahansky criteria that that you have published yourself. Yep. Um, and there, uh, I guess maybe maybe I just took that as a as a uh, as a different. I had a different, a little bit different take on it. I kind of got the impression that it was that he was kind of claiming that design. No, not at all. No, he he just worked with. Uh, he worked with, um, I'd say actually Battlehorse, BHK, Battlehorse Knives he worked with. Um, okay. He worked with them to produce that knife. Yeah. It's not like he's saying, look at this great design I came up with. He's saying, this is a knife that works, and I'm well, working hold, with hold. this company to uh, produce it. Hold, hold your thought for one second. Okay. I'm to go grab a knife.
Doesn't that look like this? Yeah. And the reason it, reason that those both look alike, and, and I can go downstairs and show you a, uh, the blanks that I just got done making that are going to be sent off to heat treat that look very, very similar to that without me ever seeing his knife. It's just that that design works. Yeah. You know? It's it's a constant curve from the handle to the tip of the knife. The knife has a um, a drop point or a or a spear point or however you want to 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 do it personally on your knife. The handle is a very ergonomic handle. Um, uh, you know, it's got like you know four and a half five inch handle. It, it's the typical woods knife with a with mm -hmm. a 12 degree 12, 12 to 12 and a half degree scandy knife on it um, mm -hmm. I I have five of those that I just made nobody knows that yet because I haven't shown any pictures but and I'm not going to till they're all done but I mean that's the typical knife it's not mm -hmm. I, he's not claiming any kind of stuff he's just saying this is the knife that I like to use in the woods and it works and look at this uh, battle horse knives is gonna make it with me yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a dead ringer for the outdoor survival knife and the Ray Mirrors knife. Dead ringer. Yep. Yep. It's, uh, you know, and I, I just left him a little message right now that we're, we're actually talking about it. But it's yeah. a, it's a dead ringer because it freaking works. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's not. It is a great yeah. knife. There's no, yeah. there's no doubt about that. It's a great knife. Yeah. And. uh you know that that little pro. I did release a picture of the the uh, prototype that I made, and it's it's pretty similar to that. Um, I think my handle is like a little bit less tall mm -hmm. and uh, a little bit thinner probably than that. Mm -hmm. um, so there are minor differences, but basically it's the same exact knife, um, just because it works. Stop snoring, dog. Um, <laughs> Come on, you got gas. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish I did. I'd be, I'd be blasting them, blowing it up. Yeah, but um, no, it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's going to be a good knife. You know, I the other knife that I, I have uh, that's similar to that actually was made by Blind Horse Knives, and they made a, mm -hmm. a woods knife that's like freaking identical to that. Mm -hmm. You know, there, no matter what you do, if you if you're trying to make a knife that you're going to go out and monkey with and make, uh, you know, figure four traps and stuff like that, um, you're going to eventually settle on a design that looks something like that. Um, in in my experience, the I've handled tons and I've I've probably handled fifty versions of that knife, including the Skookum book, Bush tool, and mm -hmm. um, I'm still waiting for one of those. You you can <laughs> wait till the cows come home. I I don't see the advantage. Yeah, I've been of them. I've been on his list for uh, I think two years now. It's just monkey business. Like it's not going to be. I've handled that knife and I've handled like fifty other knives um, with the exact same design, same idea. They're all really good. Um, my favorite, and it, it's probably just something to do with my hand, um, is actually the Spiderco um, version of it. The Spyderco, I think it's called the Bushcrafter or something like that. That that has been my favorite of those particular knives. And then, of course, uh, the one that I, the one that I made um, 
is damn good. It feels a lot like the Spyderco in the hand, but I'm not, I can't say it's any better. It feels good to me, but it might not feel good to someone else, and that's why it's good that there's so many choices on the market for that particular design. Uh, and you can get them, you know, with small custom makers make them. You can get them with crazy handle materials like curly maple. I think even Lon's got a version of that. Yep. And, and yep. of course, we know um, Bark River has a version, so does Blackjack. You're going to have to stop and, and, snoring or I'm going to have to kick you out. And they have, and what's interesting about that is everybody does a little bit of variation on it. Yeah. And it, and all of them work well. Yeah. But, and what I've come to believe over the years of, of, of doing the things that I've done is <clears throat> it becomes a little less about um, the knife you're using and a little more about the skill that you have. Right. Yeah. You know, um, Kevin does a does a thing where he does a figure four with matchsticks. Um, hmm. And um, they, uh, you know, they he could have done that with any knife. Yeah. He didn't yeah. need that knife to do that. Yeah. Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra-modern CNC components and old-world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand-convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers. And the, the more you play with it, the better you get at it, you know, and then, you, you know, and then the, the only way to do that, if, if people want to, like, develop knife skills and you don't have, like, a specific project that you can work at um, and you really don't know where to start, um, what I want you to do is I want you to Google, Google that shit, uh, Moore's Kahansky Tri-Stick, um, and that's uh, K-O-C-H- a-N-S-K-I, Moore's Kahansky Tri-Stick. And uh, you'll see, uh, you know, you, you try to make all these different things on one stick, like all these different kinds of notches and things that are actually useful to use in the wilderness. Yep. Um, and there, some of them are difficult, some of them are easy, um, and they get more and more advanced as you try the different ones. And then make a few Tri-Sticks, and uh, you'll, you'll develop some some pretty good knife knife skills just from doing that and there's really right. no reason you can't do that while you're sitting on your fat ass watching tv um <laughs> just make sure you don't cut yourself <laughs> which is right <laughs> pay attention to what you're doing but um you everybody has a lot more downtime than they think of um well, and, back in the, uh, back in the old days downtime back in the old days they used to sit on the courthouse steps uh -huh. and do that that was a big deal Really? Oh yeah. Sit sit on the courthouse steps and whittle. Whittle and bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and see, that's that's the thing is uh, whittling is it's basically fancy whittling. <laughs> yep. Well. But, uh, and you know, if you see some of the guys 
there's there's a lot of really great artists that are whittling right now, and they use a I don't even remember the kind of wood that they use, but it's like a real lightweight, uh, probably like a balsam or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, it's something like that. That's real, real clear. There's no um, no knots, no grain, no nothing in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a and balsa. They, yeah, and they carve a lot of guys carve decoys out of that stuff, but. Um, Oh, I was going to say something profound. Hmm. Must have slipped my mind. Okay. Slipped my mind. So uh, here's an, another question somebody sent in. Um, let's see. Uh, Michael Parnell sends in, uh, Is it true you should never take a knife to a gunfight? <laughs> no, you need <laughs> to take a knife to a gunfight. You need to have both, right? You need to have both. <laughs> yep. Um, w- the thing is, with um, with a knife to a gunfight, um, you never know. Like, for example, <clears throat> somebody's trying to get your gun, that's when you use a knife. Let's say somebody's trying to get your gun away from you, and you want to keep your gun in your holster. Right. But you also need to get you need to break contact with somebody. Mm-hmm. So that's when the knife comes into play. That's why that's why you'll always find me carrying a knife on my opposite side of my gun. Yeah. Why I'm left-handed, but I carry a knife on my right-hand side. Yeah, cuz you're going to be trying to keep the gun in the holster with your left hand. Exactly. And uh Exactly. N- yeah. That's smart. Okay. Uh, another question comes in from Croatia. Shout out to Croatia. He wants to know about knife storage and lube, or whatever you use to protect your knives, axes, and sheaths while they aren't in use. And so, uh, people, we're uh, changing seasons again. I try to do this twice a year. Everybody go and check your axes. Um, if you're like me, you've probably got a bunch of them and you don't use every single one all the time. So, uh, given that that is your reality, go go ahead and check and just make sure that um, any rust spots are kind of under control. Um, Jim, you will want to check that uh, splitting mall by Grand's Force because that one develops rust on the face whether you use yep. it or not. Yep, yep. Already um, done. <laughs> so, like, knife... You know, I, I'm going to say something that's probably, like, really, really sacrilegious to the knife community. I just spray some WD-40 on them <laughs> before I put them <laughs> you know, away. You know what? Listen, I don't. I don't use WD-40 because for, here's the deal with WD-40, and a lot of people or don't realize oil, this. But Rem oil. That's yeah, different. Yeah. WD-40 actually has a um, something that dissolves rust in it. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, is that if you don't, if you spray that on, it, it'll take the rust off. The problem is, it doesn't protect it. And that whatever dissolves the rust will actually rust the metal again. That's the that's the problem with WD-40. My dad and I used to have this argument all the time because he used to spray shit with WD-40. And when I, as I was growing up, when I went off on my own and I had my own toolbox and stuff, and and everybody knows that tools, tools, hand tools are made out of tool steel, right? <laughs> and it rusts. Mm-hmm. And so I used to. Um, Take my my wrench drawer, and you know, come fall, I would because you know up here it's cold, and your mm-hmm. tools don't always are, they're not always warm. So what happens is when you um, 
you build a fire in your shop to, you know, in your wood stove in your shop to heat up your shop so you can work in there when it's 20 below zero, while your tools are still 20 below zero. Mm -hmm. and, and when they heat up, for some reason, they condense, there's moisture that condenses on them. Yeah, and they, yeah. And they get rusty. <clears throat> so in the fall, I would take WD-40 and I would spray it in my, in my toolbox drawer that had my wrenches in it. And I'll be damned if I wasn't freaking getting, like, rust all over everything. And <clears throat> there was a, I was in the parts store. This is back in the, God, this is back in, like, the early 80s. Mm -hmm. I was in a, in a parts store getting, getting um, uh, parts for my 620 John Deere. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy in there from, from WD-40. I don't remember the name of the company that he represented. But I, was, I started bitching at him about it rusting my tools and he kind of chuckled and he said well he said it's not a rust preventer wd-40 is made to break loose things that are rusted yeah it's a penetrating oil that has some other um uh, uh, uh something that dissolves ferric oxide exactly yeah exactly and when that happens and you don't get it off of there and replace it with a protectant, then you actually can cause your tools to rust or your knives to rust or your axes to rust. So that's why I, I don't even, I mean, I have WD-40, but I don't use it for any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I use, I use rim oil. Yeah. I'll use motor oil. I use mineral oil. Or you can mineral buy oil. mineral oil at uh, the drugstore. It helps you poop. Yep, <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it's but also use, a fantastic for taking care of your tools and stuff. Yep, I'll, I'll use um, I'll use uh, engine oil. I'll use um, uh, uh, not two cycle oil because that's expensive, but bar oil. Yeah, bar oil. Bar good. oil for a chainsaw. You know, I'll wipe. I'll wipe down. You know, put a little bit on a rag and get it moistened. You know, get it like it's it becomes like a tack rag. Yeah, and then I'll I'll wipe down my tools i'll wipe down my axes with that stuff mm -hmm. um and that and that always works well that's the and that's the that's the whole that's the whole point of it mm -hmm. um well i i gotta confess like i use rim oil but i've also been known to put some wd on some stuff um yeah. and i know it's sacrilegious but i'm lazy <laughs> well and i know that it's i know that it's easy I mean, that's the thing is it's, it's I easy. Know. I got to um, quit with it. The, I got to stop. With, you know, well, it's, you know what? Take a, take a, um, uh, a regular, like a t-shirt, like mm -hmm. one of your ratty t-shirts that you mm -hmm. don't want to get rid of, but your wife is pissed off because it's got holes under the arms. Right. And yellow under there. <clears throat> yep. And yellow. <laughs> and, um, go to, uh, okay, hang on a second. I just got an email from somebody. And, and 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 get your chainsaw oil, um, bar oil, right? And 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 soak it in a little cup, and put that put that T-shirt in there so it soaks into it, so it's yeah. not like dripping all over the place. And then you just basically wipe stuff down with that, and it leaves a small film of, of that oil on it, and that oil is kind of sticky. Has one of its one of its um, uh, properties is that it's sticky. Right, bar oil it tends to be sticky. And right. when you do that, it, um, uh, I'm going to forward you an email because I want you to read this one because I, I read the last one. Okay. I, I, meant to, I meant to forward this to you the other day. Okay. Oh, I got it. It's pretty funny. Um, 
but but yeah, that works that works very well, and um, you you'll be you'll be happy with it, and it's an easy it's real easy to deal with, mm-hmm. you know. And then you have it; it's just I mean, it's just wipe wipe down the head with a rag, <clears throat> you know. And I do that I do that actually quite a bit more than because I use my stuff a lot, you know, especially the the, the axes that are in my Jeep. Mm-hmm. You always have to wipe those off because you you end up having uh, wood chips on it and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, smears from the tree guts and whatnot. Yep, 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 yep. And um, what else is going on? Okay, so the latest season of Walking Dead is out. Okay, okay. so I just I just talked my wife into watching it. We're on season one, episode two. <laughs> <laughs> um, they just hacked a guy up with an axe. Yeah, t- tell her to talk to Kathy if uh, if she doesn't see the relationship part. <laughs> so um, they have a new batch of uh, knives that are on the on the show now. What happened? And, uh, uh, is the is the bussy one still on there? Or? I didn't see the bussy. I did not mm-hmm. see the bussy on the on this one so far. It doesn't mean it's not there. I just haven't seen it yet. Okay. Um, one of the guys has got a rifle that's got a bayonet on it. He's got like an old Mosin Nagant with a. Yeah. I think I think that's what the rifle. It might be a SKS or something, but it's got a folding one of those folding like a Romanian Mauser with a folding. Yeah. Um, bayonet that folds under. Yeah, yeah. So he's been using that, and I thought eh, that's pretty smart. That's probably a pretty good. Um, one of the things I noticed is now they've gone to the not so much shooting the the zombies as they are stabbing them and crunching their heads. Well, yeah, in the first in the very first episode, season 1 episode 1, they just took baseball bats and smashed their heads. Yes. Yeah. That's well, how now they, it's like that, it's like almost it's like all of the kills were that years way. later. Now oh. it's like two and a half years later and all the zombies are way more rotten. <laughs> mm. <laughs> They're all rotten. It's mm. pretty funny. So it must be their heads are a little bit softer because now they're now they're sticking their knives into somebody's forehead, in these guys' foreheads and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's I, it's it's a um, it's kind of funny because that the the first episode of this season was like the most watched um, cable television series ever in the history of cable television. Huh. So I don't even remember what the Nielsen. I mean, I guess they just kicked ass on everybody. Hmm. So that was pretty funny. So here's another question. Uh, comes from Dan Malevsky. Uh, how to deal with knife addiction? I'm serious. And Ebola. <laughs> okay, so um, my solution to uh, knife addiction, and this is a real-world solution. The other day I was like, you know, I kind of want uh, a new knife for hunting this year. Um like an old traditional kind of hunter, you know, with the stick tang and uh, good at skinning and kind of looks um, old and kind of neat looking thing. And, you know, I really want it to have like brass on it and all this stuff. And uh, I started kind of looking around and I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have to buy that. I can make that. Yep. <laughs> And so I just uh, went to my shop, and um, I'm kind of halfway through uh, making one. I forged uh, a hunting knife with uh, good good skinning belly, kind of some interesting lines to it, um, with a stick tang uh, and a micarta 
handle over the stick tang with a brass guard up front and a brass pommel. Uh, and the micarta I got from Joe Flowers, he had a box of it at PWIP. But um, yeah, so I'm, I'm midway through making one. So if you want something to help you with your addiction to knives, uh, learn to make them. Well, and that's, that's, that is seriously, that's probably the only way you're ever going to get that resolved. Yep. Is if you Cause can... Because I, I don't think there is any other, there's no other fix in it. Right, because so, so what you do is you just have to be at the point where it's like, well, okay, I really want a knife that is like this. And uh, ever since I got the ability to just make basically whatever I want, um, I really don't buy a lot of knives anymore, although I did just plunk down some cash for a Benchmade 940. But, um, yeah, I really don't buy a lot of knives, maybe half a dozen a year, if that. And I, if, if I want something, I'll just make it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, no, then, that's the, and that's the wise part. And wow, I think it's like, uh, I think it's healthier to do it that way, too, because then um, you've developed a skill and uh, you can actually sell them. You know, mm -hmm. I'm actually, for my uh, knives, I'm way, way ahead. You know, I bought a, a grinder, I bought a buffer, um, I bought lots of belts, bought everything. I'm way ahead um, in material costs, and I have um, some personal knives to boot. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's worth your... And they your, make good gifts. They make yeah. good gifts. Yeah, I mean, somebody gets, like, some handmade knife that they can't just buy online, and eventually you'll get good at them. Yep. Um, the first stuff you make is going to be assy, but then eventually you're going to get to be where you can make something that's every bit as good as anything that is put out by any um, production company. Um, yep. There are guys that are custom guys that are just absolutely insane that I, I'm, not, I'm not anywhere near where they are. One guy... Um, Who's that guy, Van something or other? Van. Um, God, I, I've been seeing his stuff lately, and it's uh, Van Barnett. Oh. Have you seen Van Barnett's stuff? Mm-hmm. It's, mm -hmm. it's insane. Like, I, I mean, he makes these knives that are just beyond... I can't even imagine, like, how you get from where I'm at to where he is making these knives. You know, yep. so, like... Um, you can get you can get to that level, um, or you can you can get you know within a within a year or so you'll be able to you know if you keep at it, um, do your research, go to uh, Bark River Grind In, um, pick a lot of people's brains. Um, you'll be at the point where you can make something every bit as good as anything that Randall Knives makes. Mm -hmm. um, yep. There's within no a, within about, about a year, you'll be there. Um, yep, but you got to no keep at it. That. You got to, you know, and you'll gradually get better. Um, the thing that I can't even conceive of is these guys that have all these crazy inlays and all these. Like I don't even know, like where to start with that stuff. You know, that's the right. But maybe someday I'll. Well, and. It's a whole different art form, and and that's I mean I appreciate those kind of knives, I really do. My problem is is that if I had one of those, I would just fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, me too. And that's that's the thing. Those I, are I like, would use it. I would use it, and then I would just and and it would be like everybody would be like, oh well, I can't believe that you used that. 
Well, right. It's like that the Van uh, Van Barnett stuff. He makes like a lot of steampunk looking knives and and really cool stuff. But uh, and that's that's really good. It's I would consider that more of like a piece of art. Um, yes. Than, but but the thing is, is like it's still a knife, and I don't even know how you how you do that. That's handmade. Like yep. how do you even how do you even get to the point where you can do all those little intricate patterns and miniature little gears and you all know these the key things is to that you know the key is to that huh it's not so much getting to the point when you can do that is getting to the point where somebody will buy that <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but but, but i think you know, if that, I, I mean i mean you can because if that that night i mean any one of those nights that that fella has on his site on his on his page mm -hmm. he's probably got like two or three months worth of handwork into that thing yeah, at least you know mega hours, mega hours. Yeah, and and let's say that he even sold it for five thousand dollars, or I don't even know what. I mean, I, I oh, it, it, no it, idea it, where he sells that stuff. For. Min, minimum five grand, okay, or something like that. Minimum, okay, bare minimum. So he took. So I mean, shit, took, this would sell for five hundred dollars, no problem. <clears throat> and this is this is nothing like anything that he does. It's not even okay. in the same league. Okay, so put put it in perspective. He has, let's say, he has four months into that knife. Yeah, and he sells it for five grand. Yeah, he just worked for four months for five. <laughs> he's making fifteen thousand a year making these yeah, gorgeous. Ex <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. And the only way that the only way that a lot of these guys can actually make a living is if they have somebody that's that actually pays them more than. Than yeah, what they think their stuff is worth. Yeah, I mean, you got to have patrons to make and, and stuff I, and, like and, that. And I'm not I, look. I don't. I don't want to diss this fella because his. He's it's amazing. Beautiful, like, beautiful work, uh, and it's and it's truly it is truly art. Yeah. In in a in a magnificent way, it's art. Um, but I can't imagine. I can't imagine the. Um, the amount of money that would cost to own that. Yeah, can't. it's 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 like amazing stuff. It's it's more amazing than anything that any of the pharaohs were ever buried with. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, and you know, the, I wonder, I wonder if um, with handmade Damascus, all this crazy shit, like yeah, like I can't even. That, uh, here's and here's why I kind of like looking at that stuff. It's because I, I look at that and I say, geez, what kind of knives, imagine how awesome my user knives would be if I had the skills to make a knife like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you can make well, yeah, that, imagine the quality that you could make this with. Yeah. What makes me, what, what's, what's kind of cool about it, I love that one, uh, uh, the time machine one. Yeah. I'm wondering, I'm looking at that going, I wonder if... When you close that blade, if all of that, I mean, I see that the pivot point opens and closes. Right. But I wonder if, uh, I wonder if all of those little uh, watch parts move. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. I mean, like, I, I, I believe that that has to be it. I mean, that has to be, um, it has to be. Yeah. Oh, I'm, why would you put them on there if they're not going to do that? I mean, yeah, yeah. but but the 
Yeah, I mean, so you look at you look at stuff like that, and or, or I look at Jerry Fisk's stuff. Yeah, and like they're not using any different tools than I am. You know, mm-hmm. we have the same tools, but they're able to do that. You know, <laughs> and it just you. yeah, it just blows it, your mind. It's like they they have a they have a belt grinder, they have a buffer, they have a Dremel tool, they have files, and they can yep. do that. That's amazing. Yep. Like I I can't. It, I don't know. I'm just it's uh, mind bending, isn't it? It is, it's and just, uh, it's, it's to me, it's mind bending. Well, and then so you know the. I like to I like to improve at whatever I do, um, and uh, one one thing uh, you know if if it's if something is worth doing then you should be striving to get better at it and um, and every once in a while um, I will make a knife to that's a little bit beyond what my skill level is um, to see if I've improved enough. Like maybe I tried something and the last time I tried it I fucked it up, mm-hmm. you know, and so um, that's that's kind of what this was. Um, this mm-hmm. hidden tang knife. Um, w- the first couple of these that I made are good knives, but they're just not up to my standards quality wise. Like this is up to my standards quality wise. This is every bit as good as anything that Randall has ever produced, mm-hmm. and it forged, you know, and so. You know, every once in a while, I'll go and retry a project to see if I've improved. Um, and, and, you know, I did that with tapered tangs. You know, like, initially, I tried to monkey with tapered tangs and this and that, and then eventually I got to the point where I could do them really, really well and really consistently. You know, so I think that if you're going to do something, you need to benchmark yourself. You need to see where you're coming along. But part of the, one of the other things that I do is I look at what other custom makers are doing. Uh, you know, the guys that, that aren't necessarily doing it with CNC machines, but the guys that are doing everything by hand um, like I do. So, mm-hmm. I, and, you know, if you get if you get some stuff cut out, awesome. Um, I just don't have those connections in place yet, and I'm not sure I would want to do an entire sheet of one style of knife anyway. Um, but it's like... Uh, so I look at what other custom makers are doing, and I make sure that my stuff is improving. Or, you know, I, I take a look. Like, like you remember the guy that that came up to us at uh, at PWYP? Yes. Um, and we both bought a knife from him. Yep. Um, those were very good knives, uh, and at the time, that was that level of quality. Um, was very about, good user knives. There's yeah. very, very, very simple, plain designs, and very much a user knife. Right, but but the the point being, like I looked at it at that time, and that was about where my stuff was. It's about the level of quality. There are a few little minor imperfections here. Um. But you know, I a lot of times I'll buy a knife from a knife maker that's about my quality level, so that I can six months later go back and look and see: Am I getting any better? Is my stuff mm-hmm. now better? Um, and the same thing with like the Charlie Mays knives. You know, right. I'm not, I'm just not at his level. You know, and that's that's kind of why I want to buy one of his knives is so that I have a benchmark that I can mm-hmm. push, 
I keep pushing myself and try to get to that level of of uh, of quality. I'm getting close, but I'm just not there yet. Right. Um, It'll come. Yeah, eventually. But I, I mean, I can do things now that six months ago I wouldn't even have attempted. Yeah. You know, and that's that's part of. Uh, it's just part of, of playing, and so uh, that's that's my answer to um, how to deal with knife addiction, and that's uh, um, anyway. <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah, and, and make make your addiction to the point where you have a, a bench a, a benchmark knife um, that is about the quality that you're at. And you want the goal? You want to have the goal that in six months you will look back at that knife and compare it to the stuff that you're doing, and the stuff that you're doing now is better. Yep. Um, and make that your obsession, and uh, you know that'll not only will you develop a skill, but then you'll be able to have um, just about any knife you want, with the exception of these Van Barnett knives. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's any. There's not one of those in my future. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like one, but I don't know. They'd be cool to have. I believe that they would be cool to have. Yeah. You know, I think that that would be a very, just to show people. Oh, it's cool. it's unbelievable. Like, yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, another another guy writes in, and he says, uh, "Could you share your experience with the new Bark Rivers, such as the Springbuck and similar?" Uh, there are oh, no. You have you have one of those? Yeah, I have it right here. Actually, it's, yeah. it's my uh, stable of uh, of uh, favorites. Um, mm -hmm. uh, here it is, right here. I have it in my hand. It's that it's uh, that good of a knife that um, the Springbuck. So let me just talk about it a little bit. Um, would you call this an indexing when they do this to the handle? Yes. I, I call that an indexed handle um, because yes. they, they put a spot for your index finger. Um, I uh, So the, the Springbuck, I have the first production run and I bought the um, Blue G10 handle. I bought this from uh, Knives Ship Free <clears throat> on the first day that they had them. Uh, so this knife has um, it's it's a it'd be a fantastic hunting knife. Okay, it's a drop point hunter. It's got a little spot for your index finger. Uh, it's got a fuller in it. Uh, they milled a fuller in. Uh, let's see, it's in CPM 3V. It's got about a four inch blade drop point with a um, false edge on top. They swedged the um, distal. Uh, half of the blade. Uh, it's got a little sharpening notch right at the Ricasso there. Um, lanyard hole on the back. Bigger lanyard hole than I'm used to seeing. That's not the quarter inch one that's, that's bigger. Um, the handle is very comfortable. It's very ergonomic. Um, in general, I'm not a huge fan of indexed knives. Um, 
but this one I like. Um, they did the handle right on this. Uh, I don't know what, what else to say other than I really like it. Uh, do you have anything to add? Have you played with one of these? It, <clears throat> yes, and it, it's a very comfortable handle. It's not... It's actually more like your handles than than a typical Bark River handle. Hmm, yeah. Don't you think? Well, it's... it's uh, <sighs> It's not as fat as a lot of the hand handles that I do, um, but it is different. I would say that this is, um, what Jim is getting at is that there's a palm swell um, in the middle and that the top of the handle uh, is not flat. Like a lot of companies will use a perfectly flat straight across um, handle and there's a, there's a bit of a, a, a swell, a little bit of a, little bit of curve to the top of the handle um, but yeah it does feel different in the hand than some of the other bark rivers but they always I mean they always do a good job with the handles I um, you know as soon as we're done with this we got to go back and revisit the chewing puppy thing okay uh, yeah I think I think that knife is very well done yeah and the uh, you, you know I'm, I'm looking at this knife um, there's several spots that I look at on a knife um, because those are the hard spots to do right and on this knife um, every single one of those hard spots is done uh, perfectly so I don't know I don't know how you say it any I don't really have anything else to add I like the knife and the fit and finish is good and um, it's a useful knife shape if you like an indexed handle. That is currently the only knife that I own with an indexed handle. Uh, and I just like it. Mm -hmm. um, fit and finish is amazing. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, it's a great piece. There's no doubt it's a great piece. Great user. And it's like one of those. One of the things that I've, that I've noticed about Bark River, all the different models that they have. Mm -hmm. You could pretty much say, if you could only have one knife, what knife would it be? Or if you only could take one knife with you, what knife would you take? And you could pretty much go down the complete line of Bark River, and any one that you took would be just fine. Yeah, you're, you're not going to find a stinker. You know, <laughs> it, it, they have enough models that if you're just dying to have a knife in a particular style or shape and that's your thing, like, if you buy one of theirs, it's it's going to have good fit and finish. It's going to be yep. out of good material. Like, yep. You know, so I don't know. I really don't have anything else to add. Yeah. You'll be happy with it. Yeah. You'll, you'll be happy with it. Um. What else? Okay, puppy thing. The puppy chewing thing. Okay. For Lon, for Lon Humphreys. I thought he was jabbing at me about my chewed up hearing aid. He was. Um, well, no, no, because he's got a puppy too. Well, I know. That's So that's initially how I took it, but then he responded, I was asking Jim, wink, wink. Oh, oh, oh. So he was, he was giving, well, not really, but that's, <laughs> knowing Lon, well, that's what he was saying. <clears throat> if you have... A puppy that's chewing it's an unfortunate situation me hearing aids are dogs that chew hearing aids are all dogs chew hearing aids <laughs> if a dog can find a hearing aid he'll chew it 
because there's something about the smell of the hearing aid or the wax or the something in the hearing aid that makes them go crazy. It's like crack. <laughs> they can't stop. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that's something that apparently cats do the same thing. But if you're just after a way to um, stop a dog from chewing, it all—it's—it's a—it's you have to redirect them. They're like—they're like little toddlers. You can't always punish them, but you have to redirect their energy towards something else. And if that's play ball with them, or 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 give them something else that they're allowed to chew, and make that a special thing for them, that's pretty much how you got to do it. Um, I've had multiple Labradors. And Labradors, are, as puppies, are like the most destructive critters on the planet. I mean, they will eat through walls. Yeah. <laughs> Literally eat through walls. I had a, um, years ago before I was married, um, a buddy and I got a uh, set of puppies out of the same litter. And his puppy chewed through his, this is all before noon. Um, got it. He was in his. The puppy was in his breezeway. He's like four months old. He chewed through his drywall, pulled the insulation out, threw the drywall on the inside of the kitchen, got into the kitchen, and ate his couch <laughs> between seven and noon. Huh. So it's kind of hard to misdirect a puppy like that. You have to pretty much. They they, re they require. They, they require a lot of attention when they're that. When they're yeah, they, it's it. A lot of it comes down to supervision. Um, you know, they they're just either going to have to be kenneled or they're going to have to be supervised. Yep. Um, so let's see here. Uh, one other question: uh, How about the Russian submarine and the Swedish archipelago? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know enough about it to really comment. I, I saw um, that flipping around, and I wondered if that was even true. Yeah, I don't know. And as far as Ebola, it's it's amazing how quickly that disappeared from the news. Yeah. It is gone. Like, yeah. somebody put the kibosh on talking about that as soon as they got that um, lawyer appointed to uh, the uh, Obama's Ebola czar, or whatever you call it. Yeah, they just totally slapped everybody's pee-pee. Yeah, they're like, shut the fuck up. And now there are yep. no stories on it. You never heard yep. a single word of follow-up of all the people that were exposed and all this. They're just like, shut Wait. up. We're like you know two what's weeks interesting about that? Election you know that, that Nancy, Dr. Nancy Snyderman, she was exposed, but she decided yeah. that she was just going to go get Starbucks coffee. You yeah. haven't heard anything about her cameraman, who, my understanding, he actually had it. Yeah, I don't know. You know, well, you don't I hear mean, anything it, it about just, it. It just lends itself to conspiracy theories. Um, it's like the perfect thing, you know. Like, and I've believe me, I've read people send me stuff because they know that we talk about it on the podcast. So I get a lot of links to these yeah. conspiracy things. And honestly, like, I don't need to make it worse than it already is. Right. You know. You know the the thing that the thing that bugs me about this whole thing that that I that I'm not quite understanding is why now why what has changed that we actually had a doctor get exposed and ha and get full-blown ebola in in africa while he was in africa so what changed that i mean i i, I can't recall i mean this is something that's been around for a long time this is not Since something that just 
Yeah, it's something that just happened. So we're, we're, we've been dealing with this for th- over 30 years. Okay? Right. So what just ha- I don't recall ever having a doctor, an American doctor, that got exposed, got Ebola, and, and became sick. I don't recall that ever happening. I don't know either. So, so it makes me wonder what it, what it is that happened that that now we're dealing with this. Hmm. Did 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 the Ebola virus become more more virulent? I have no idea. Honestly, I don't know. Um, but but you know, so we've got that, and then you know, people send me these links like, you know, the Ebola stuff is all fake because where are the pictures of the people actually with bleeding out of their butthole and all this you know it's like well yeah I don't know like you'd think that they'd have cameras all up in there like but you know the other thing is is like maybe the reason they're not publishing photos of what really happens when you catch Ebola is like if people knew what really happened they'd fucking freak out yeah yeah you know so there's that um Somebody a, a couple podcasts ago sent us an email recommending that we listen to the No Agenda podcast. Yeah. So I actually I actually subscribed and I've listened to now about four episodes. That's a Herculean effort for our people, um, just so that I could have uh, an opinion and talk about it meaningfully. Uh, these are three and a half hour podcasts. Whoa! And I've listened to like four of them while I was grinding knives and stuff. And it's wow. A, I think that they're they talk about uh, like current news and they try to like deconstruct it and figure out where the news message is coming from and like who's funding it and and all these shut up dog and all these things like that. <laughs> it's like uh, put them in your lap. The problem is is like she won't wear her goddamn sweater. Uh, and I'm not turning my heat up past 62 because she won't wear her sweater. That, I'm sorry. Put some fucking clothes on, dog. But, um, you know, Jimmy Carter says... You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me. Jim, Jimmy Carter says you should wear a sweater. Um, that was his solution to, you know, fucking gas yeah. lines and stuff. That was right about the time that he got attacked by a rabbit. Yeah. That's the kind of president Jimmy Carter was. Um, yep. Anyway, uh, what was I saying? So I listen to them, and they they will take the news articles, and they'll dissect them and see who's who's putting it out, and they try to figure out why the news is coming out at, at this particular time. So I think you, if, if that's the kind of thing that you're into, um, you'd like it. I... I I am still actually honestly listening because I do find it interesting. They they have some some takes on some things that I wouldn't have necessarily come up with on my own, but a lot of the stuff that they say I more or less uh agree with. Yeah. You know. Well, and and I think if you you know, they always talk about us being closed-minded. Yeah. You know, the other side always calls us closed-minded. And and uh I'll at least, it's like, I'll at least it's like give totally it a listen. The opposite. Yeah, it's like it's like totally opposite. Yeah, it's, it's like, like I'm the guy that will literally go out and become an ordained minister, <laughs> so that when I call your global warming religion a religion, like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's funny, you know. And you know, if you recommend a podcast, uh, I will take, I, I will, I will put in the effort, people. 
to, to mm-hmm. give it a fair consideration and a fair shake. You never see that from 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 uh, you know collectivists and people that always accuse us of being like closed-minded bigots and whatnot. Right. You know. Right. So anyway, that enough of that. Um, yeah, but it's pretty amazing how quickly that disappeared. Here's the other thing, and this uh, this is something that I got from the No Agenda podcast. Where the fuck are all the pictures of us blowing up ISIS? <laughs> you know, we get like the stock footage from like 1990 of us launching like cruise missiles off the deck of a ship. Yep. And then that's supposed to be us carrying out strikes. And and if you'll notice that there was no, uh, you know, they found all those weapons mm-hmm. that didn't exist. You don't hear oh, a yeah, lot yeah, about yeah, that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> they... Yeah, they they uh, recent and now you know all the people like you you'd hear them like uh, Bush lied, people died, there were no weapons of mass destruction. You know now they're changing their story. It's now like there were mes- weapons of mass destruction and Bush hit them. Yeah, you know yeah. it's like they they inst- they turn on a fucking dime, and yep. and they're still mad at Bush. Uh, only before they were saying that, you know, the reason we went to the Iraq war was a big whatever. And and listen, I didn't support the Iraq war because I don't think that we wanted to win it. Yeah. I honestly, that's, and that's always after, the problem. Yeah, with- after World, World War II, I don't think that we have wanted to win a single war. Right. I'm sorry. Um, if you want to win a war, you're going to have to blow up the kids. Yeah. Sorry. Every, every time history of the world from pre-civilization to now, you want to end a war, kill the fucking kids. And we mm-hmm. won't do that, so let's not get in any wars. So I was against, and I took a lot of heat for, for talking against the Iraq war um, from my grandpa, from my dad, from all these different people. I'm like, look, you know, like you're going to have to sit here and recognize that if we're going to go to war, you're going to have to be willing to blow the fuck out of a bunch of kids. Do yeah. you think people are willing to do that? Well, no. Nope. I'm like, nope. so So we're just going to get into a thing where, you know, we spend a bunch of money, $4 trillion or whatever the hell we've spent on it, and get nothing out of it. We can't conquer the territory because that would be racist or whatever. You know, it's like, if we're going to go to war, we should get something out of it. And we should yep. make those fuckers pay for us having to go to war. Yep. You know, but we don't have the stomach to do that anymore. Yep. So it's a big problem. So let's not do it. Yep, it's a big problem. Um, anyway, yeah, yeah, so it's a big issue. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. You know anything else? Nah. I had a bunch I of stuff to talk about, but I. Oh, the the email. Should I read it? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, a reader sends us email. Um, I got I got kind of a kick out of it. Okay, so he says is uh his uh. I'll just give his initials here. See how he signs his name here. Um, well, he didn't. His first initial is M. So I'm just going to leave it at that. So he says, to the Knights of Knife Talk and the Messiahs of Monkey Business. First of all, <laughs> thank you. So he's starting off right. You know. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was originally referred by another knife podcast, but y'all quickly became my favorite. And I'm assuming he's talking about one of my other favorite podcasts, which would be Everyday Commentary. Mm-hmm. It says, I'm 30 years old, but when I listen to you guys, it reminds me of being a kid sitting on the porch and listening to 
conversations and arguments between my father, um, who was an educated southern man, and my grandfather, a backwoodsman originally from Michigan, for hours on end. Although I currently and unfortunately live in California, within a few minutes of hearing you all talk, I can feel that uh, thick southern air. I can hear the frogs croaking, and I can taste the fried catfish and grits. Ooh, nice. Mm -hmm. That is uh, priceless to me, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, Second, uh, and I'm going to actually get on this as soon as we're done with today's uh, show. If y'all are interested in another knife detective, there is a scene in Denzel Washington movie Man on Fire where he systematically removes a guy's fingers with a folding knife. Uh, I'm not dying to know, but this might be a good challenge for you, Kyle, as the knife isn't shown in its entirety for very long. Third, uh, and we should actually maybe address this. Um, Third, I assume y'all aren't huge fans of Cliff Stamp, but I've heard y'all mention him in a positive tone in the past. If you search Cliff Stamp, are you prepared on YouTube, you'll find a survival shit hits fan video that I was thoroughly impressed with. It is a deviation from his regularly scheduled programming, and he addresses the whole uh, aspect of uh, survival craze that I rarely hear people talk about. I think his video is important, and I'm curious what your opinion is on it. I, have, I haven't seen it, but I will look, I will look it up. Um, fourth, there is a Canadian country singer, yeah, I know, by the name of uh, Corb Lund. He has a, a song called Always Keep an Edge on Your Knife. It's a corny song, but it even talks about shooting gophers, in parentheses, Jim. It reminds me of the podcast every time I hear it. Yeah, we have we have a confirmed kill on the podcast. How many other podcasts do you listen to that you get a confirmed kill during it? Yeah, that's um, funny. Might be worth a listen or a play on the podcast, and I'll see if I can uh, put that in there. Fifth... Kyle, as I hope you know, Case Knives released one of their elephant toenails from the vault recently. What? 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 <laughs> okay, so I'll be uh, looking at that um, as soon as we're done here. Looking also, for one. Yeah, y'all recently speculated on the history of the toenail whaler pattern and its name. Stephen uh, Schmalhaus on YouTube has two amazing videos that are very informative. One has toenail in the title, the other has Moby Dick in the title. I highly recommend you watch. He also has history videos on other American knife patterns, FYI. So I'm going to check that out. Um, Thanks for blowing the rest of my day. Um, Lastly, from 8 to 18, I carried one fixed blade for all my outdoors needs. The Buck Vanguard Model 192. I never hear anybody talk about this knife. Any experience or thoughts on this cheap, beautiful, and functional knife? Uh, also, I've heard y'all talk about the kitchen and fish, fishing knives, but I don't think you've mentioned specific makes and models for either. Would you mind? Uh, assuming I didn't miss it, uh, please ex- excuse the longevity of the email, etc. Uh, Matt. P.S. In the early episodes, you all used to talk uh, to ask for constructive con- criticism. Mm, okay, here it comes. <laughs> uh, my only critique is uh, 
try to talk over each other sometimes. Yeah, unfortunately. And it makes it impossible to hear either of you. Thanks again. <laughs> it, it happens. Yeah, we do that. Yeah, we try. We do that. But all in all, that's a good... I like that. That was a good... Yeah. Uh, uh, a good. Um, so now I'm curious. Email. The Buck Model 192. I'm looking at Buck. Actually, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's similar to the knife you just made. Yeah, yeah. That's it's a yeah. Oh, it's hollow good. grind. It's it's a hollow ground. Yep. Because it's typical Buck style. But but that was a that was a very it's a nice beautiful knife. knife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't say anything bad about it. I, I I don't have one. I do have a Buck, but it was the uh, my first knife. Uh, similar along those li- ni- lines, uh, probably a lot cheaper at the time, which is probably why my dad got it, is a Buck uh, uh, Woodsman. Yeah. I used to have a Buck Special, but I don't know what the hell happened to it. Huh. Somewhere I got left somewhere. So and I've some, got some videos to some, look up. Some oddball place. Who knows? Um, the other thing... Uh, Let's see oh, the Cliff, yourself. Cliff Stamp uh, YouTube videos. Yeah, I haven't seen any of those videos. Uh, Cliff is. Um, I haven't seen much from him lately. Actually, he's, I used to see him he's all the a, time. Yeah, he's got his own forum but now. I think he's. He, oh yeah, he, he was yeah. banned from any, Cliff, everywhere. That's why he Cliff had to Stamp have Stamp. Yeah, because I think he got in some. Got in some fights and rubbed some. Um, important people kind of the wrong way um he i think his background is he's some sort of an engineer right i thought he was a uh, chemical like a worked in a lab like a like a he wasn't I, I i was under the impression that he was a like a lab tech i in some at some university worked in some university's lab yeah i don't know um i know he's got a but, science science background yeah. Um, so, you know, I think where a lot of times where he got himself in trouble was um, he would uh, basically... He's like a mixed metaphor guy. <laughs> he would call, uh, sometimes he would call um, bullshit, uh, you know, and have some scientific reasoning on some stuff. Yeah, um, I think I think, I think part of his, some of his think, some of his criticism is probably fair. Some of it, yeah. Some of it probably not. Yeah. Um, I I think the pro- part of the problem with him was he was trying to apply some scientific some some scientific methods to something that sometimes you cannot apply scientific methods to. Um, nobody. I mean, I'm not saying that. Obviously, Cliff Stamp is not the smartest man in the world, but nobody in the knife industry has ever really come up with a really comprehensive way to measure how sharp something is. Oh yeah, yeah, you're talking about his sharpening stuff. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, it's it's really, and that and that's been the problem is he was always he he was always trying to portray with himself the- as somebody that was able to do that and and nobody and just, it's like you've got the Kotra test you've got a couple tests that that are you know, they kind of sort of measure yeah but they really but they really don't well and then the the other problem is is like um 
you, you know, you're running that you're running. I, I think I have seen a couple of things like this, and I I just honestly eventually I kind of tune out because like right, it's like because arguing. You know what? What so, color like a certain type religion. of yeah? What what color a certain type of mold is on? Yeah, like some cheese that it's like I don't fucking care. Like, does the cheese taste good? Yes. You know, um, but then you know, and then you get if you if you start running down that rabbit hole of sharpness, like I don't know, you can you can literally spend all of your time like doing nothing but sharpening them. Um, I don't know. Well, like I, I said, every it's, single it's, knife that leaves my house, you can put it on your arm and shave with. That's sharp right. enough. Right. Th- that's still way sharper than almost any knife you're ever going to buy from a manufacturer. Right. So, for me, that's good enough. <laughs> um, for some people, they want to have like this edge that's like literally one molecule thick. Yep. Um, yep. That's just not me. And that's okay if it's obsidian. <laughs> right, because that's the didn't only. We, didn't, that's I, the, I think I got into some big fight with somebody about obsidian somewhere. Well, that's like the only. That's like the only blade that can actually be one micron thick, or one but molecule thick. Yeah. Okay. So I I remember now. I was uh, Robert Young Pelton has all these fuckheads that he'll just let anybody. Um, he'll just take anyone as a friend on his thing, right? Yep. And so he's got all these fuckheads on there. Um, the guys that, like, dress up in, like, camo and, like, go out on the weekend and all of a sudden they're, like, some expert in, like, warfare type thing. Mm-hmm. And then he's got guys that are kind of the same same idea, only in, like, knives and other shit like this. They think they know everything and they really know next to nothing. And mm-hmm. uh an article came up on his thing about, like, obsidian scalpels or something like this. And somebody, I can't even remember how I got involved, but I was basically like, well, you know, the last time I saw an obsidian scalpel, I was in, like, medical school, um, and it was a, it was used in ophthalmology, and it was just some old-ass guy that had not adapted a laser yet to yeah. do his cataracts. He was just using yeah. an obsidian scalpel. And, and the thing yeah. that I remembered is they're sharp, um, they're extremely expensive, you use them once, and that's it. You know, yeah. it's $1,000 for this obsidian scalpel that you're going to get, like, one cut out of. Um, and I just don't... I did not personally see that it made that much of a difference in the in the outcome of things. And then, like, all, all these fucking whippersnappers started arguing with me. And they just, you know, it, it just gets to be annoying. All right. But... All right. Yeah, that was my... That was my understanding was that was the... That was the only place that it was really u- widely used was in ophthalmology. That was it. <clears throat> it, it, it. There's really no, and I don't even know, I mean, especially, I think all those cuts now are made with lasers. Yeah, yeah um, I would guess. And there's really no application for that um, anywhere else, and th- I don't even think they're used anymore. Cause so, so I got into this big argument with these shitheads, and again, this is why I don't argue on the internet because everybody's a fucking expert. Yep. You know, and it's like you don't know what you're talking about, and I know you don't know what you're talking about because you're not using the right lingo. Okay? Yep. It's like if I started trying to talk about like something special forces related in mm-hmm. 
in 1.5 seconds, people that actually do know something about special forces would, would call bullshit on me and they'd be right. You know, and so that's what I did is like, I'm like, bullshit, you, you don't even fucking know how to talk about it, let alone know anything about it. You know, and, and of course, then they chimp out and they call you like racist. And it's like, dude, you're white. I'm white. Shut the fuck up. I'm not racist. Yep, you're racist. Yeah. And, and all this other stuff. But, uh, you know, and so I, I went and did a little research. I don't even think anybody's making them anymore because there are, there are two different ophthalmologists that practice at, at uh, my kind of the main hospital I go to. Neither one of them uses an obsidian scalpel. I asked our, uh, our, the OR guy, Roy, that, you know, he, he basically takes care of all the inventory, all the cases, makes sure all the instruments are there for every case, blah, blah, blah. He's the boss, basically. I'm like, do mm -hmm. we even have any obsidian scalpels anymore? He's like, no. We haven't had those in like 20 years. And, and you know, so like, I don't know. Obsidian scalpels are a sticking point with me now. <laughs> but, uh, okay, well, here's a happy note. Okay. Last night, I think it was last night, I reposted something that our county put up there about why to live in northern Michigan. Oh, yeah, There's I saw a that. Series of pictures, beautiful presentation. And I wanted to add to that. I don't know if you had any of these when you were up here, but... What is it? Chocolate-covered cherries. Oh, yeah, those are, yeah I, didn't, I didn't actually get any of those, but those are good. <laughs> Another thing from northern Michigan that I would highly recommend people check out is uh, pasties. They take a, <coughs> a pastry dough, so that flaky, nice dough that you'd find on a Danish or some other sort of a pastry, and they wrap it around like meat and shit. Yeah. Yep. So you last, just actually ate that for dinner last night. Actually, so did I. I I went and I bought some puff pastry dough, and I got some brats. I grilled the brats, chopped them up into little bits. I took some of my homemade sauerkraut, chopped that up into little bits, heated it up in a pan with some <coughs> Dijon, and packed that shit into the uh, puff pastry dough and baked it. Awesome. Oh my god, that sounds really good. Oh, it was amazing. Um, and I had that with uh, split pea and ham soup. Um, very yeah, good. You know, I think I'm gonna. That sounds really good. I think I'm going to make some of that today. Yeah, it's good. Uh, my split pea, I always call it split pea with hand. Um, because <laughs> on the on the Conan movie, uh, Conan the Barbarian, oh, yeah, yeah, where they yeah, have yeah. the big orgy and they've got the kitchen <laughs> and like they have this pea soup Green and like a hand shit. and the head is floating. <laughs> that, that I have the director's cut and they actually called that split pea with hand. <laughs> it was awesome. meant to look like that so that's what I call my stuff but I make mine with uh, split peas obviously uh, ham I, I throw some sausage in there usually a leftover broth okay. or whatever onion, leeks leeks are important couple bay leaves salt and pepper and uh, a dash or two of soy sauce or something delicious okay so so I'm going to go into production of that uh, what did, you called it um when the eye of round. What did you call that? You call that gabagool? Uh, capicola. Yeah, capicola. gabagool. Either one. But that's uh, <laughs> that's usually um, that's pork product though. Pork product. Oh. Eye of round is uh, eye of round is um, a round, um, perfect like no fat, no gristle, muscle. Right from a cow. So 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 right. It's from cow. Mm -hmm. So so what was it that you called that when you made that? 
dry, dried beef. That's okay. that's the dried beef. I have the video on uh, YouTube, average Iowa guy, um, how to make dried <clears throat> beef. That's, okay, so that I just awesome. I just been, mine's been sitting in the fridge for for three months. Hmm. Uh, in that shrink wrap bag, or that's that um, vacuum bag. Mm-hmm. And I and I broke into it last week. Uh-huh. And it is oh my god, good. So so I'm thinking that hanging it is uh, would be almost the same as putting it in this vacuum bag. Uh, I I can't get over hanging it though. I just gotta wait well, till can, winter. If you can, if it's seventy degrees. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. In the winter, the warmest my house ever gets is sixty-two, and it's colder than that in the basement. Yeah. So I just have to make it all over winter. I have three pork bellies to do this year. Yeah. Um, that's what my my buddy was asking me to do a couple of those too. We had we had one your last the last package of bacon when he was up here. He really liked it quite a bit. Oh, good. Oh, Dave. <clears throat> yeah. 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 He liked that real well. Yeah. Yep. And so, so I gave him one of those to take home, and uh, he didn't. Most of it didn't make it home. Yeah. And then, because uh, he stopped at his folks' house on the way, and he said they mowed on it like it was freaking, like it was candy. Yeah. And then, um, which is which, it is really good with, uh, with cheese and crackers. I mean, it's phenomenal with cheese and crackers. If you're gonna. Here's a here's a tip for our folks. I mean, at you, home. I know you you wanted to, you made dried you made chip beef with yours. Yeah, cream, some cream I made beef. one or two just to have the pictures, but yeah, the rest of it just singles. got eaten like well, straight and up. that was it. It was like as I remember when you said oh, this is for chip beef. I was like, well, fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> this, no. I am not going to monkey up this. I am not going to monkey up the taste of this meat with anything else. <laughs> right, because <laughs> it was so good. Yeah, well, so um, here's a. Uh, so I have uh, people. I think they like the home curing talk. So here's um, here's a project that anybody can do. If yeah, you go, it's actually really good. And you're gonna if you're gonna take and do your uh, you're gonna run your smoker for something else. Like you're gonna make a pork shoulder or whatever, and you want to make a cured meat on there. What you can do is you can get uh, some of these pork shoulder steaks. They're real thin, typically. Uh, and they're usually dirt cheap because it's they're pretty awful. Um, and you take that and uh, you rub your cure on there. Tender Quick Works, um, which you can buy in the grocery store. If you have another cure, that's fine. Rub it all down on there. Let it sit for only four hours. Wash it off real well, and then throw it on the smoker until it's smoked. Um, what you have just made is called tasso ham. T a s s o. And it's a big thing in uh, New Orleans and, and surrounding areas. Uh, you, you use that to flavor your uh, red beans and rice. Uh, you can add it to crab cakes and such like this. And it makes a really good thing. So there's one idea for you. Real well, simple. You could, anybody can put that, you could actually put that in a bean soup too. Probably oh, yeah, yeah. Any, anything where you want to add some hammy, um, smoky flavor, it, a little bit goes a long way. It's like, uh, you know, so then... Um, Another project, uh, I would encourage you all to think about um, making some of your own sauerkraut. Now, I've gone through a couple different methods of doing this. Um, one is with the traditional crock method. I do not recommend the traditional crock method. It, 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 you, it, you will be successful at making it. Um, the problem you're going to run into is you're going to get uh, 
mold and yeast on the top that's going to gross you out. It's not going to affect your sauerkraut, but it's going to gross you out. Um, my recommendation is that you get a, they make, um, if you look on Amazon for fermentation vessels, one of the first things that's going to come up is like Picklemeister or something, and it's, uh, you can get a jar ready made, like a two gallon jar with a, with a top, or you can buy the ones for the wide mouth quart jars. And basically what it is, is it's a plastic lid with a rubber stopper in the top, and then an airlock. Now, what you do to make your, and I am only using the airlock method from now on, because I just don't want to fucking deal with the yeast and mold nastiness. So, um, and I've, so what you do if you're going to make your own sauerkraut is you get one of these pickle meisters or pickle masters or whatever the hell it's called, <laughs> and uh, you shred up a bunch of cabbage. Uh, I, I have a batch of Brussels sprouts going right now. I have a batch of red cabbage going right now. But as soon as you open it, it's going to be gone. And uh, what you do is you shred this up and you weigh it. People, this requires a little bit of precision. So you're going to need to get a $5 digital scale that will measure in grams. Now, for every kilogram, so 1,000 grams of stuff that you have, you're going to want to take it and put it in a bowl and add 25 grams of salt so that you're making a 2.5% uh, thing. And if, you're, if you have you're, real finely you're sliced like stuff... You're talking the kosher salt? Yeah, no, 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 no. Pickling salt. Pickling salt. Okay. Um, and, you, and, and it has to be done precisely. If you get it too salty, it's not going to work. If there's not enough salt, it's not going to work. Get a scale, okay? It's worth the 5 bucks. Salter makes good scales. So, mm -hmm. um, so you salt this stuff, you let it sit a bit, and then you start packing it down into your fermentation vessel and what you're going to find is is that it's going to make its own liquid and it will probably make enough liquid if you pack enough in there that you're not going to need to add any liquid but if you do need to add liquid then what you do is you take a thousand grams of water or a liter and you add 25 grams of salt so if you need to add water to your uh, container what you do is you take a, a liter of water or a thousand grams and you add 25 grams of salt and basically what you're ending up with is a two and a half uh, two and a half percent solution then you put some weight on the top of there you can take uh, when you when you search on Amazon for your picklemeister you're gonna find that they make little weights out of glass that you can put in there or um, you can just take a plastic bag and fill it up with brine and put that on top. The idea is that all of your cabinet stuff will be underwater. Then you put your top on and you wait. Um, it's going to take at least three weeks and you're going to know you're done when it stops bubbling. Uh, and you can leave it in there longer, it doesn't matter, but that kraut is going to be amazing. And you can do all kinds of vegetables in there. You can do pickles. You can do whatever. And it's a it's just kind of a natural uh, fermentation thing that I I've, I've gotten a lot more into um, recently. Hmm. Yep. Picklemeister. Yep. Neat. Anyway, I got nothing else, and I got to get back to work. You got anything to add? Um. Not really. Now, was there? There were some questions about kitchen knives. In can we? Email? Yeah, we should probably we can address that next time. Um, I'll go through my kitchen knives. You go through your kitchen knives, and yep. we can talk about why we like each one. And okay, uh, my stuff is the bulk of my stuff. I do have some Henkel stuff, um, 
but uh, you know, I don't I don't have the real super good stuff like Jim has. So you'll get yeah. his you'll get his perspective as well. Um, yeah. I, I I actually side with Jim, um, but at this point, I probably again I I would probably just make my own. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of uh, um, I have some Bark River knives that they mm-hmm. that they did did a real nice job of. I have some Hattori knives that uh, I really like. Japanese mm-hmm. made, they're phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, I've got uh, a, a complete set of Hattori's in a in a block. Nice. Um, but then I have some cheap knives too that I use. <clears throat> like a couple of them, I like I picked up at. Um, I want to say it was at Marshalls or one of those like yeah. closeout stores. One of them is a Kershaw um, Kai Cutlery mm-hmm. set that wasn't the uh, Ken Onion style mm-hmm. Shun knives, but it was a Japanese style with a bamboo handle and and and, and I actually use that all the time. Uh-huh. A little uh, Santuco, and um, you know I have an old Hinkles uh, from the forties butcher knife that I use quite a bit for slicing. Yep, um, when I'm working on loins and. Um, you, I can't say this enough. Good kitchen knives are a dream to work with in the kitchen. Yep, and and people, uh, you and don't you put don't, it in the dishwasher, right? You don't necessarily <laughs> have to spend a bunch of money to get a good kitchen knife. No. And I'll and I'll, I'll and, list and what honest, some of mine are. Need, you yeah. don't need many of them. Yeah, you I need, mean, I have a lot of them because I've been in the business for a long time. But but you don't really need. You only need three kitchen knives. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that is the reality. Of Bread it. knife, carving knife, chef knife. Yep. Yep. Well, exactly. I, I since I do a lot and of actually, processing do, of my own animals, do, I I will use a uh, cleaver in yeah. addition to that. But you can use a you can use a you can you can lose the bread knife mm-hmm. because if your chef's knife is sharp enough, it'll slice bread. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that, yeah. No problem. I, it's just a convenience thing, is all. Yep, yep. And um, but uh, paring knife mm-hmm. is is important. Um, but you only need you don't, you don't need. There's the only reason you have a knife block that, that's got like a dozen knives in it is because you can only sharpen them, and and those knives do, usually don't hold much of an edge because they're usually like a Chicago cutlery mm-hmm. lower end something or other with you know. <clears throat> but but if you're gonna get a good set of knives, you only need a three knife set. Chef's knife, um, some kind of vegetable knife like a santuco or a Chinese cleaver, and a parent knife. And you can add a fourth if you're if you do your butchering and you want some kind of meat slicing knife. Yeah. Um, you know, carving knife. Yep. But that's it. I mean, you don't you don't really need. You surely don't need forty five or fifty that I have. <laughs> right. Well, we'll <laughs> we'll try to. I, what I'll do is I'll I'll go through my kitchen. There's one knife that I use a lot, lot, lot. It's a cheapie, and I'll talk about that. Um, and then I've got some other kitchen knives, but really I only use two or three knives, and uh, my cleaver probably comes out once a year. Yeah. When I'm doing a, when I'm, you know, breaking bones and stuff like that. But um, anyway, I got nothing else. All right, so we'll we'll call this one a uh, put it in the can, and uh, um, remember to like us on Facebook. Go to knifejournal.com and join us on the forums there. Um, send our send your uh, emails to uh, 
Knife Journal or podcast at knifejournal.com and we'll uh, you know read them on the air or not. Um, I don't think we've ever gotten one that we didn't read on the air unless it was like a one sentence thing. We've addressed yeah. all of them, haven't we? Yep, yep, yep. Well, in some way, some some we haven't read verbatim, but but yeah. we've usually addressed everybody's concerns. Yeah, um, we're 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 good at that. Um, and uh, you know, we won't make fun of you too much unless you're like a global warming person or. Well, even then, it's <laughs> the only way you're going to get fired at is if you fire first. So yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. And even then, you know, it's all in good fun. I, you know, you're allowed to have different opinions. You know, it's fine. We're Americans, right? And it's fine. It doesn't just because you think one thing and I don't think that way doesn't mean I we don't have to like each other. This is grow up. This is not the Soviet Union, right? Grow up. You know, it's like come on, you, you know. Differences. Uh, we will not put you in the gas chamber. Right. <laughs> no, that's not very nice to do that, is it? No, so. not at all. All right. So, uh, guys, keep your uh, knife sharp and your friend sharper, and we'll catch you next time. Yep. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, so that was a good one.